You're listening to Chameleon Church. Biblical antidotes for the modern man. With your host, Alan Aguirre. A Faceless Gen production. Wednesday evening I had my teaching all done, ready to go, PowerPoint, the whole nine yards, and about three hours ago I scrapped it and decided to do something else. So I have no PowerPoint, and uh, so it'll be one of those, one of those nights. Around one o'clock this afternoon, the LA Times announced that Paul Crouch, of TBN died at the age of 79 and there's a I don't know how many of you are on Facebook but I'm on Facebook I'm actually changing the planet with my Facebook page (laughs) that's somewhat of a joke and um, you know I get three four five six seven hundred comments on a thread because the dialogue the conversation it's pretty intense. A lot of it is about Christianity versus the Bible. Uh, the majority of it is. And we have a lot of Christians on there. And we have to correct what, they're, what they believe, what they think they believe, what they think the Bible says, things of that nature. I say that only because I was sucked into a thread earlier this afternoon because uh, the, the, the comment was, oh, so-and-so's common thread is, is turning into an Alan Aguirre thread, because there was like 200 and some odd comments. And the, the post, the actual post was about Paul Crouch dying today, and what do you guys think about that? That was the question. And I was sucked into it because I was tagged, so I went to go see what my name was being you know, mentioned about. And it was about Paul Crouch dying, and what did you think about that? I don't publicly, even privately, speak about what I think about people like Paul and John Crouch or uh, Benny Hinn or any of those guys. I don't talk about that for a reason. And I proceeded to try and find the the comments, because I was on my phone as opposed to my computer, uh, that I was mentioned in, and started to read this comment thread. And uh, it was quite disturbing. Because the vast majority of what people were talking about was how TBN is of the devil and Paul Crouch is a false prophet and a false teacher and name it, claim it. And they've allowed people on their TV show to teach about things that are not scriptural and how TBN, you know, he's in his Armani suit and his big old house and car and he's asking for money and just on and on and on and on and on and on. 
about how horrible or how unright Paul was and his ministry. And then you've got this small little amount of people going, hey, who actually don't know what they're talking about either. Hey, the Bible says not to judge, and you're judging. You know, you know, all, you've, you've all have heard that routine. And this and that, and there's a couple little people trying to go, trying to correct stuff, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, what a mess. What an absolute mess. And I've been invited to the party. And I have no interest in going to the party. So the guy that, that tagged me was, is an, a friend of mine. He's pretty active on my wall. And so I went, you rang? And I said, um, my, my comment was something to the effect of, I've read the majority of this thread, and it's, it's quite disturbing. And what's interesting to me is that the scriptures actually talk about what to do and how to behave with a leader that potentially is incorrect and how to act and behave with a leader that is obviously incorrect and none of you are doing this. And then I said something to the effect of, um, I know for a fact that none of you were given, I'm paraphrasing, uh, any sort of spiritual authority to make any judgment call on this man. And I know this to be true because none of you were ever given the responsibility or the authority to walk with this man. None of you even know this guy personally, let alone did any of you ever walk with this guy. And because of that alone, if you're talking smack, you're in sin. I'd like to continue to hang out. Not. Because I need to go get ready to go to church. And I'm teaching tonight on the mortal effects of judging another man's servant. And I went, oh crap, there, that's, there's my sermon for tonight. <laughs> so I scrapped everything I came up with for uh, earlier this week. Lenny started a series called, How Shall We Then Live? Well, in regards to this topic of the mortal consequences of judging another man's servant or speaking negatively, publicly or whatever, regarding ministers, how shall we then live? And on the way over here, I asked Christina to drive so I could actually <laughs> come up with something on the way here. Let's uh, open up our Bibles. You have your Bibles or your iPhones or your iPads? I love this stuff. I remember in 2004, we started going to a new church in Dallas, and the pastor was using an electronic device. And he was going, hey, how many of you have one of these? And everyone's like, oh. And I'm like, I knew I needed to have one. It was just, I knew. And he goes, oh. And he had a tungsten, T3. Remember those? They're totally, completely, horribly obsolete. But he would put his uh, sermons on, on his tungsten T3, and he would preach from his tungsten T3. And... Uh, that was like 10 years ago. We're going to go to 1 Samuel. Everybody knows the story. Everybody has heard this. But have we? 1 Samuel. We're going to go to chapter 24. When Shaul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told that David was in the desert of En Gedi. How many have been to En Gedi? Raise your hands. So you know what it looks like. You know, I guarantee you David hung out in Masada. Because I was there. Why not, right? So he was in the desert of En Gedi. Shaul took 3,000 men chosen from all Israel and went searching for David and his men on the cliffs where the mountain goats are. Near some sheep pens along the way was a cave, and Shaul went inside to relieve himself. It happened, yeah. 
It happened that these guys actually did that. They burped, they farted, they relieved themselves. It happened that David and his men were sitting in the recesses at the back of the cave. And David's men said to him, Look, the day has come that Adonai told you about when he said to you, I will turn your enemy over to you and you will do to him whatever seems good to you. Then David stole over unobserved and cut off the corner of Shaul's cloak. But after doing this, David felt remorse over cutting Shaul's garment. Think about that for a second. He felt remorse. He was bummed out that he had done that. He said to his men, Adonai forbid that I should do such a thing to my Lord. Adonai's anointed, as raised my hand against him. After all, he is Adonai's anointed. By saying this, David stopped his men and would not let them do anything to Shaul. Now, Saul, or Shaul, he, he was about two or three years into his kingly responsibility, roughly two or three years, when the kingdom was spiritually taken away from him. And it was given to David, spiritually. This occurred because he was in disobedience. Shaul was blatantly in disobedience because he spared the Amalekite king. You know the story? He didn't kill everything. He spared the king. And so Samuel the prophet chopped up that king into little pieces before the Lord. And at that point, Shaul pretty much lost the kingdom spiritually. He was physically still the king. But David had been anointed but he wasn't functioning as the king what, for another 14, 15 years or something like that. It would take for David to actually get the physical kingdom. So, it wasn't a question of whether or not Saul was right in the Lord or right before the Lord or if he was doing things right. He wasn't. To the extent that we know that God ended up tormenting him with an evil spirit. And that's why David was brought into the palace to play his harp, which is another teaching, music, uh, to help soothe this tormenting spirit from the Lord. God doesn't do that to you when you're in his favor. All right? He's not going to possess you or curse you with a tormenting spirit when you're in alignment with him. He's going to do that to you for the most part, when you're in disobedience. Now, yes, you'll be tempted, and yes, you'll be tried, and all that. We're not talking about that. We're talking about something really has gone awry with this man. God is tormenting him because he's in disobedience. And he's going to be in disobedience all the way up until the end. I mean, he goes to a witch to conjure up Samuel's spirit after he died. This, is, this guy, he's on the wrong path. So we know for a fact he was not in right standing with the Lord. Unquestionable. 1 Samuel 26, 7-11 So David and Avishai went to the soldiers by night. Shaul was laying there asleep inside the barricade. His spear was stuck in the ground next to his head. And Avner, Avner is pretty much the general, with Abner and the troops asleep all around him. Avishai said to David, God has handed your enemy over to you today, so now please let me pin him to the ground 
and I won't strike him a second time. But David said to Abishai, Don't destroy him. Nobody can raise his hand against Adonai's anointed without becoming guilty. David then added, As Adonai lives, Adonai will strike him down, or the day will come for him to die, or he will go down to battle and be swept away. Adonai forbid that I should raise my hand against Adonai's anointed. This is the guy that's made David's life pretty much a living hell. He's ran him out of the kingdom. He's ran him out of the city. He's, he's on the outs, man. He's an enemy of the state. The king wants him dead. And it's no secret. I mean, even their enemies know this. That David is on the outs with, with Saul. And he's been making this guy's life a living hell. And David's like, no, don't do anything to this guy. Adonai will strike him down. Adonai forbid that I should raise my hand against Adonai's anointed. Chapter 26, verse 16. He's yelling into the camp after he's left. He's taken the spear and the, the jug of water. And he's crying out to Abner, the general. It's not good what you've done. As Adonai lives, Abner, he's talking to him, you deserve to die because you didn't keep watch over your Lord, Adonai's anointed. Abner, it's his responsibility, his stewardship to keep the king safe. And he's not done that since David was able to actually get close enough to kill him. What does that sound like? You're your brother's keeper. It's not right what you've done. You should die because you didn't take care of your brother or cover your brother. Protect your brother. We can spin this a whole bunch of ways. It is applicable. And it's not in there because... I mean, there are books mentioned in this Bible that we don't have. So, this is in there. We can spin this many ways. God's anointed. Yes, He's in the outs with God. But you don't disrespect them. You don't raise a hand against them. You don't go against God's anointed. And his steward should be put to death because he's not taking care of him. He's not doing his job. That's all applicable to us. Chapter 2 of 2 Samuel. Shaul had died and David had been two days in Ziglag after returning from the slaughter of the Amalekite. On the third day there came a man from Shaul's camp with his clothes torn and earth on his head. He approached David, fell to the ground, and prostrated himself. David said to him, Where are you coming from? I escaped from the camp of Israel, he replied. Tell me, please, how did things go? asked David. The people have fled the battle, he answered, and many of them are wounded or dead. Shaul and Jonathan, his son, are dead too. David asked the young man who had told him this, How do you know that Shaul and Jonathan, his son, are dead? The young man who had told him said, I happened to be on Mount Gilboa when I saw Shaul leaning on his spear. The chariots and cavalry were bearing down on him. He looked behind him. He saw me and called to me. I answered, Here I am. He said to me, Who are you? And I answered, I'm a Amalekai. He said to me, I'm in agony and I'm going to die, but I'm still alive. So please stand next to me and kill me. So I stood next to him and killed him because I was sure he was so badly wounded that he couldn't live. I took the crown that was on his head and the bracelet on his arm and have brought them here to my Lord. Then David took a hold of his clothes and tore them, and likewise all the men who were with him. And these men were ragamuffins, man. These guys were rough. And they wailed and cried, and they fasted until evening for Shaul and for Jehonatan, his son. 
for Adonai's people and for the house of Israel because they had fallen by the sword. David said to the young man who has told him, Where are you from? He answered, I'm the son of, of a resident foreigner. I'm an Amalekite. David asked him, How is it that you weren't afraid to raise your hand to destroy Adonai's anointed? David called one of his young men and said, Go over to him and kill him. The man struck him down and he died. David said to him, Your blood is on your own head. Your own mouth convicted you when you said, I killed Adonai's anointed. Loyalty. There's a compilation of writings that came out about a hundred years before Jesus did. And they're each named after one of the twelve patriarchs. And um, scholars say that Paul, the Apostle Paul, must have known about these writings and probably had them. Because his writing is very much in the form of these twelve writings that are named after each patriarch. The little booklet, they're written by a Pharisee, or, some, or by Pharisees. And uh, the one about Joseph is very interesting. And I, I read these a long time ago. Yes, I do read extracurricular texts. <laughs> I don't suggest everybody do that. But, and I read these, and, and this, this one really, really stuck with me. For years, it's, it stayed with me. The, the account of Joseph, when he got to Egypt, he didn't look like a slave. He looked like a prince, a Hebrew prince. The story was, was out that there was one missing. Again, this is in these little booklets. It's not in your Bible. And when they confronted him and they asked him, are you not that Hebrew prince that's gone missing? And he said no, because he didn't want to shame his brothers. And I've, I've never forgotten that. Ever forgotten that. He didn't want to shame his brothers, so he said no. Knowing that what was going to happen to him wasn't going to be good, He's been sold into slavery. He could have said, yeah, that's me. I can prove it. Which he does later on to his brothers. And he could have gotten out of that situation, possibly. But he said no. And it happened like two or three times. And he always replied no, because he didn't want to shame his brothers. How, how, how crazy is that? Do we think like that? How shall we then live? That's a great example. I'm not going to say anything, because it will shame my brother. I had to do that about three years ago, and it was hard. I had to bite my tongue. I was watching a 30-plus year relationship go down the drain because I had to let this man believe that I was a hypocrite and that I was worthless and a liar and a horrible example of Christendom so as not to shame this man. And it was hard. You guys remember that? That sucked. That really was not a fun thing to do. And all I needed to do was just open up my mouth and say one thing, and it would have been over. But it would have shamed him. It would have shamed him and his family. And I chose not to do that. Even though I knew this it wasn't going to end well, I chose that. I made that decision. So David, David's example to us, is not to speak against God's anointed. You know what? I don't know Benny Hinn. I have friends that know him. There's like one apartment building in East Jerusalem that everybody lives in. <laughs> right? And he has one in there, and we have some friends that have one in there. And so, But I don't know the man. 
does it matter whether I agree with some of the things he says or maybe some of the way he does things? What? No. It doesn't matter whether I think it's right or wrong or whether I agree or not. It's besides the point. I don't know him personally. I don't walk with him. I don't know him. You know, I, I've walked with Lenny since 1986. That's a long time. And he still likes me. <laughs> well, he says that. No, I know he does. 1986, that's a long time. I've changed a lot since 1986. But because I've walked with Lenny that long, I can say that I know his heart. You know, how many times has Christianity told us, it's impossible to know another man's heart? It's not. You spend any amount of time with someone, heck, I can tell someone's heart as they walk in the room. That guy's heart is good or bad, you know. I know Lenny's heart. Because I've walked with him. You know, I've walked with Mike for nine months. I know his heart. I've walked with Ian and Alyssa for four years. I know their hearts. I don't know Benny Hinn's heart. So I don't know his heart, so his theology or his doctrine is a, is a, is a non-subject matter. It's, not, it's nothing for me to talk about or to make a public opinion of. Why would I do that? Why would I say, oh, yeah, did you see that thing on Benny Hinn? Look at this YouTube video. Ah! Well, there's YouTube video on everybody out there. Except for me, because I'm smart. No, I'm just kidding. She's got a list of sayings of mine that are incriminating. Oh, she lost them, see? They don't exist. <laughs> I don't know Billy Graham. Joel Osteen. I don't know him. This will come up. Well, but you've heard his teaching, and you can go read his books, and blah, 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 blah. The scriptures say, and they'll tell you about how you should be able to... You know, I have not been given the responsibility or the task to call Joel Olstein out. When did I get that anointing? And because I don't, I don't know Joel. I don't know what his intentions are. I don't know what his end game is. I don't know, you know what I'm saying? Watching him on TV or on YouTube or reading a book isn't really getting me into the man, you know? Is it possible that he might write or say something that I don't agree with? Absolutely. But that doesn't give me permission or authority to call him out publicly. Who gave me that authority? Nobody. When Paul is talking in his letters to the churches that he started regarding that stuff, he was talking to people he knew and he had the authority to tell them that. Okay? Let's keep it in context. Context, context, context. That's like my middle name. It's out of context for me to read any of that and say, oh, that guy over there said that you can eat all the pork you want. That's not my business. I, I'm not that guy's authority. I'm not. The disciples thought like that. The disciples thought like Christians until he rose from the dead and they got baptized with the Holy Spirit. What do I mean by that? Hey, this city didn't receive us. Should we call fire down from heaven and we'll wipe them out? And Jesus is like, whoa, what a bunch of freaks. He's like, no. What are, you, are you crazy? These are the same guys that are, are going to fight about who's going to be sitting on his left and right, right? 
Or like, hey, those guys are talking about you. They're preaching in your name and they're not a part of us. Hey, that pissed them, that, that made them mad. Cut myself. So I'm just a real guy, I'm sorry. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? They're like upset because they weren't a part of us and they're out there talking and Jesus is like, leave it alone, man. Why are you going to make a deal about that? You still can't. Be, you still think I'm mad because you didn't bring bread. <laughs> Mark chapter 7 and 8, right? <laughs> it's not about that. I know for a fact that there's people out there, public ministers, that are writing and teaching stuff that is absolutely demonic. But it's not my responsibility to call out or talk about these guys, name them by name, and what they said or what they taught or what they wrote. Or I have not been given that authority. Now, the lives that he has given me authority to do that with, I do do that. And you know that. That's contextual. That's biblical. That's sound and that's responsible. That's godly. It's not godly for me to go and talk smack about other ministers and their public ministries and neither it is yours. So apparently, Paul Crouch died today and there's a lot of nasty stuff being said about him. It's unfortunate. It makes us look like a bunch of idiots. Again. But even if we knew his personal testimony, I still don't know the guy. I mean, whether I agree with what he did or how he did it is besides the point. I walk with Jacob. I'm like a leader in his life. What he says and does is my business. If we understood this concept, this principle of David, and we walk like that, humble yourselves one to another, confess your sins one to another, so that you'll be healed, and so that God will hear your prayers. I mean, this is community life. You esteem each other higher than the other. This can just keep going. I mean, we all know the verses, how we should live, how we should walk. And I'm so surprised at how often... I see this going on. Not necessarily here, but like out there. I see this all the time. And I'm like, how do they not know this concept about David? How can they not connect the dots that this isn't the way it's supposed to be done? God doesn't honor that. He doesn't like that. It's divisive. Factionalism. That's just all demonic stuff. The enemy loves that. I mean, that's his whole deal. We need to guard our hearts and our minds and our tongues regarding that kind of stuff. Now, if you hear something that you're not sure about from one of these public ministers, come to Mike or Lenny or I. Hey, what do you guys think? What's your position on this? We can talk about that. That's different than talking smack. David publicly spoke about the things that were going on that weren't cool, but he wasn't defaming or slandering Saul. know Saul was in the wrong. There's no question about it. 